Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9, verse 62. What happens when you go out to mow your back 40? You've got a sit-on machine, it's all fine and dandy, except you keep looking behind you. For one, your lines won't be straight if you want one of those Wimbledon lawns. And two, if you're in a true and wild back 40, you may run the risk of cropping up against a tree. You have to keep looking where you're going. By saying yes to God, we're giving up the old way. How do you feel when someone commits to entering into a conversation with you and her eyes are constantly drawn to her phone, responding to texts from unwelcome guests at your table? Or, as used to happen pre-cell phone days, she keeps checking out her surroundings, looking over your shoulder, checking what's happening outside. What about when another person has spread himself so thin none of his ongoing projects can be completed, let alone yours? I want full attention. I don't want to share a project manager or a family member with someone else if they've committed to putting me first. Don't you think God feels the same way too? In Luke's words, he does. We went to see a play called One Man, Two Governors, and it was a classic example of the difficulty that arises with two bosses. The Bible tells us we can't serve two masters, God and mammon. It's either one or the other. So when you say, I will follow you, Lord, don't keep looking behind you and missing the life that you left. And the rewards will be great in the end. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. The children are all grown now, and happy birthday, Ian. He turned another year older yesterday. But we all know, once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler, and I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derive directly from their exposure during their formative years to our stellar methods of parenting. My cowboy and I are living alone together in merry old England for the moment, getting used to this thing called empty nest. God is in the earth-shattering noise I'm having to put up with this week as the roofers work on our garages. I appreciate the silence that comes at tea breaks and listen for the church bells and the children playing in the nearby playgrounds. That always tells me that God's lurking somewhere amongst the joy. We're on the verge of signing over the deed and the shareholder certificate for the flat. So our departure time is inching ever closer. And I'm also making arrangements to visit some family members here to say goodbye. I don't want to say for the last time because that sounds too final. Each week... 
I invite someone to join me during this hour and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child rearing. Regardless of topic, I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. My guest today isn't a parent, but she has some lovely things to say about hers who allowed her to direct her own education. Jessica Barker will be sharing some of her life with us after the first break. I'm going to be nattering about school at home, Dort's dilemma on the high seas, an art exhibit and a visit to my old home in Ballam. I've got a hot cup of PG tips and a Bakewell tart this afternoon. I do wish you could join me, but you can't. So you'll just have to use your imagination. Close your eyes and listen as I spout on while you sit comfortably. Ah, Dort's Dilemma on the High Seas, it is then. I was going to tell you about it last week, but I ran out of time. She's having to do some soul searching on her own. The internet isn't so good in the Mediterranean, and I'm unable to offer solace or act as a sounding board for some of her concerns. Her ship, the Grand Mistral, has been sold, and the owners, Costa, are going to keep everyone on, which is heartening, especially as Dort signed a nine-month contract and will only have completed three. The Dilemma is the ship, instead of wintering in Brazil and Argentina, is doing its sun chasing in Dubai, which isn't heartening at all. My brother asked, why? And I said, she's American, and the American government has all kinds of restrictions on Middle Eastern travel. Oh, he said. Plus, what about the extreme change in culture? Not something she signed on to with her first contract. Her fellow workers, dancers, entertainers, even the officers can't commiserate with her because no one speaks her language on board. Smiles, hugs and knowing looks only go so far. At the moment, she's feeling really lonely and frustrated, but also thrilled to finally have mastered all the numbers in all the shows so that she can really perform and enjoy her time on stage each night. And she loves her time on stage. Added to that, she was asked to be the magician's assistant when the regular one left last week, end of her contract. So she's been learning how to float midair and be cut in half. Her first show was last Monday and she loved it. The audience loved her, saying her face was so expressive. Oh, she's such a ham. The magician is a friend of hers, and he talked about her in Spanish to his audience. So now the passengers will know she's American and either avoid her or try to communicate with her. Avoid her only because they might not be able to speak to her. She says she feels like a star. And the food is changing too. The chefs are adding an American flair to the dishes because I think she's getting known. In the staff mess, they now have hot dogs cut up in a tomato sauce, pizza and hamburgers. Stereotypical American food, but she says she's in hog heaven. One day she was bought a plate of spicy chicken wings complete with celery and blue cheese dressing. All the other staff were really jealous, but she shared her leftovers. (laughs) Sounds as though she's finally settling down. And then the dilemma hits. What does she do? Now she has to consider life without the bank mum and dad. She feels that if she gives up, she'll be letting herself down. But I reassured her that it was her itinerary that was changed. And if she doesn't feel right about Dubai, then that's okay. 
And my cowboy and I immediately went into flexible mode in case one of us needs to stay here to help her get situated if necessary. And I told her also that until she had all the information, it's really difficult to make a decision, isn't it? So now she has more information, we found out a few days ago, and it's good information. The new owners of her ship have said that they will renew her contract next year for the six months, as they're doing with all the other employees. And that's really good news. It gives her an opportunity to return to America for a quick hello, hi, hey in November when the changeover takes place. And now we're waiting to see who pays for the plane ticket. This is really a much better solution and one I would never have come up with. Thank you, God. All those prayers were answered. It gives her a break and something to look forward to. This month, as I said, she's in the Mediterranean and three times she's <clears throat> docking in Malta where my best friend from Guernsey, from my Guernsey days lives. I emailed her and she's going to meet Dorts and show her around, take her to lunch, introduce her to her lots and lots of cats. Today, she, Dorts was in Malta and she said the island is very beautiful and very medieval. And she's looking forward to having someone show her around the next couple of times that she's there. Wish I could be there too. Well, Hubs and I are finishing off our little stay here. We've been here almost six months and we went off to Covent Garden this week to prowl among the silver stalls. There are hundreds of charms just waiting to be picked over and I love them all. I collect gold ones myself but my daughters like the silver which is good because it is a lot less expensive. I bought Bibles, crosses, a St. Christopher, a ballerina and a boot and a church that opens, birds, a rocking chair, a watering can, a silly tilly witch, a London bus, a steeple, a bull and loads more. So much fun, but a bit backbreaking, bending over the stalls and picking through the silver. Our next door neighbour in Balham, all those years ago, still lives there and has been through a variety of characters since my parents sold up and left for Broadstairs, oh, 20-some-odd years ago. Margaret Howard, her name is, and she has just completed a Bachelor of Arts degree in Humanities with the Open University. The Open University is a television course that you can take at the crack of dawn here in England. It's been going for very, very many years, and it takes an inordinately long time to award you a degree. It took her six years to get this degree, and she was so thrilled to be finished, she told me, to, and to get her evenings back, she said. She was going to the Barbican Theatre for her graduation, complete with gown and mortarboard, and to have photographs taken. She was quite thrilled and asked me whether she walked across the stage in her gown to collect her degree, because you would know, having done it many times, she said. Oh, yes, I said, and they'll take a picture of you, so make sure you pose. And Margaret said, I'm so glad you told me that, Vivian. And then I saw her the following week and everything I had said would happen did happen. And she said, I was quite prepared, thanks to you. She's so sweet. Um, we went to a luncheon that she gave at her house over there in Balham last week. And um, it was attended by everybody who had supported her during this time. So I must have I must have rated as one of her supporters and lots of people from the BBC, including some famous ones I discovered later when I came home and Googled them. When asked what she was going to do with her degree, she said, it's pinned up on the wall at the moment.
She thought it was quite fun to have her career first, followed by getting her degree. She'd been in broadcasting since she was 16. She's quite a celebrity on the BBC Radio 4 when she moved next door to my parents. Two things about the luncheon, which was a catered pot of boeuf bourguignon with rice and salad, followed by tart citron and cream, was the dish who helped pouring all the old ladies' wine and serving their plates and washing up. He was Brazilian and very adept, and one lady asked me, where did she find him? Her caterer had arranged him, apparently, I asked her. The second thing about the luncheon was I met the current occupiers of my growing-up house next door. I got on well with them, and they invited me in to have a look. My upstairs box bedroom made a much larger bathroom, I noticed, and I told them I'd dig out a photo to show them they'd only known it as a bathroom. And I've got to go on a break. I'll be right back with my guest. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose and all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future... Business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. 
My guest today is Jessica Barker, a graduated lifelong unschooler whose parents encouraged her to go after what she wanted. At 23, she remains a self-proclaimed autodidact with a great love for traveling anywhere and learning anything. After two highly successful years spent keeping a blog, Life Without College, she transformed it into College Rebellion to reach a wider audience. Here, she incorporates a large number of diverse resources to help teens and young adults conduct their higher education without college and at little cost. Jessica writes stories, poetry and articles, plays, various instruments, composes, reads, works with animals and spends her time tending to a grand array of flowers and vegetables. She's employed as a chef at a local restaurant in Burnsville, North Carolina and also contributes to Peter Kowalki's site, The Unschooler Experiment. Welcome, Jessica, to my show. Hi, thank you. Well, I am so excited to talk about you because I've read your book twice and, you know, you've come to some realizations that um, it's taken me a whole lot longer to come to. So I'm really, really going to be talking to you about that a little bit later on. But first off, Jessica, tell me a little bit about yourself and homeschooling or unschooling. And did you do it all your life or was it something that your parents pulled you out of school for? So just give us a little bit of background there. Um, well, uh, I think my parents never really pulled me out of anything. I went to daycare, uh, once a week for a half day on Fridays when I was three Mm -hmm. and four. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that counts. (laughs) Um, uh, I think my parents always wanted to homeschool me. And so, um, I started in kindergarten when I was five and, um, it was very, um, very a self-directed sort of homeschooling, kind of like in between strict homeschooling and unschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, she, let's see, you know, she taught me how to read and write, and I think she noticed I had a fascination with um, animals because <laughs> I would yeah. keep bringing dead yeah. snakes out of the yard. Um, so mm-hmm. we'd go to the library a lot. Um, I'd watch her cook and... I don't know, and my, uh, my dad's kind of a businessman, so he's always, like, tutored me in how to do various business stuff, and, um... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you um, have siblings? I when I, um, yes, I have a younger brother who's 18, and he actually has, like, a, um, a business parting out cars, um, for this, like, little car that nobody's ever heard of, <laughs> called a Buick uh-huh. Riata. And then another brother who's 14, and he's uh, into pretty much everything, um, blacksmithing and drawing comics, and um, I don't even know where to stop with him. Um, So he is, um, they're they're both also, they've been homeschooled their whole life, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, we we kind of get more self-directed as we get older, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I started doing a lot of just like creative writing, um, reading about it and doing it when I was 16. And that sort of became my schooling as I got older. Yeah, yeah. Um, so had your parents, you, you said they always wanted to homeschool. So were they in a homeschooling, you know, sort of environment? Had Did they know other homeschoolers? 
Um, yes. Uh, we lived in Raleigh, um, in, in, which is in Wake County, North Carolina, um, mm-hmm. which is like the biggest homeschooling county in the state. Um, really? So we were... I always grew up around other homeschoolers, and we were part of a, a little co-op, and we'd go on field trips mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's how your parents used your co- the co-op was to, you know, ta- tag along and and go to field, go on field trips together, museums or parks or yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, you, did you did you actually do co-op and go and take classes? Um, this was more of a free-form co-op, I would say. Um, other co-ops did do, like, formal classes, but this one was mm-hmm. more of just, like, I think it was very um, literature-based. Yeah. Um, families would come, and, you know, everybody's been just doing their reading, and we'd go off to, um, you know, the science museum, and we'd um, arrange to pet some hedgehogs and snakes or... Um, <laughs> We caught some bacteria one time at a little camp we went to and, and just different things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, some people say that parents only homeschool their children so that they have control over their lives. And to some degree, <laughs> I would say that that is probably, you know, sort of you, you have a little bit more control. But I think if you go to a traditional school, the school has an awful lot of control over your life too. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, sort of control that happens when you're a child. Did you feel that way at all with your parents? Um, I think when I became a teenager, I felt a little like um, (laughs) I had some things I would have rather have been doing out in the world. Like if I went to public school, you know, I could, Mm -hmm. you know, meet a lot of boys and things like that. But other than that, which, you know, was probably good that I didn't do that so much. Um, I, I did not feel controlled by the Mm -hmm. environment they created for me. I think, um, they did it to give me freedom in what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. I had the time and the resources to do that. So you, you did self-direct, you say, a lot of your high Mm -hmm. school, um, or later education. And at that point, I, because I know as a parent myself, that is a very scary thing to do, especially as you were the oldest. But they, they were around. They were surrounded by a lot of homeschoolers, so they probably already had some examples ahead of them. But I know mm-hmm. that there are some parents who are listening who would just be freaking out going, oh, my gosh, if I let my child do what, what she wanted to do and she decided that she just wanted to read and write manga, you know, how how on earth am I going to turn that into like an academic transcript for my child if if she wants to go to college at the end? And so they would freak out. So you know that didn't happen. Obviously, your parents were very um, supportive of you. And so, how involved did they were they in the end um, with with what you were doing? Um, <clears throat> I think. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that they still were nervous. Um, I've always <laughs> been the guinea pig child. Um, but um, they they were involved, I think, most of their, I guess, involvement was through encouragement um, of, you know, like, hey, here's this, here's that, um, why don't you try this? And, you know, if I had an idea and maybe I was too afraid to actually go try it, they'd kind of push me mm-hmm. to be like, you know, what, what, you know, what could go wrong? Come on. Um, and... 
let's see here. And, you know, yeah, just just giving me the resources, whether it's, you know, helping me buy books or taking me to, um, I did a lot of swimming, so they would take me to swim practice before I had a car. And um, I, I did sign up for some college classes at some point, and, you know, they were helping me with that. And, you know, my dad would talk to me and be like, well, are you going to take a college class on writing and know a little bit more, or are you going to go on this novel writing retreat that Unschool Adventures is doing and actually have mm-hmm. a novel by the end? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, at least so, it was a choice, though. I suppose some, some children might yeah. might decide, I'd like to go to college but uh, and be a little bit mm-hmm. scared about doing the other thing because, you know, pressure might be on to actually produce something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, that was what they wanted to do. I, I think they, in every situation where they pushed or encouraged me, they presented uh, as many sides of options as possible mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. I, you know, could make an educated decision about it. Mm. So when you went to college, was it community college? Um, did you like it or is that is that your only experience of college and you decided that that wasn't for you? Um, yes, it was my only experience at college and to a degree, no pun intended, um, I didn't really like it. Um, I didn't feel like it was challenging enough. Um, I did it for um, ages 17 and 18. And I just, the environment was not what I thought college was going to be. And that makes sense. It was a technical community college. So, you know, I was imagining, you know, sitting at Oxford and reading Mm -hmm. lots of books on the lawn and Mm -hmm. discussing them in depth with other Mm -hmm. educated individuals. And that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's fine. You know, I, I still feel like I would find that somewhere. Um, and I haven't completely ruled out college because I've recently realized that a lot of things I want to do might involve getting a degree in biology and I might actually enjoy it. But yeah. all of that to say, um, being at community college kind of burned me out from, um, I guess, wanting that kind of education at the time because I didn't know what I really wanted out of life I was just doing it because everybody's supposed to go to college right yeah yeah well you know and I I discovered because I'm I'm from England so our approach to college is is Mm -hmm. quite different um in America the first two years of college are pretty much just levelers I mean you're just learning that basic core stuff and if you've already done it at home or if you're you're already a motivated student you don't need those Mm -hmm. first two years really I don't think you know. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I basically came to the conclusion about is, mm, And mm. I actually, that's why I admire the education system over in England because it's like, oh, you go to college for four years and you only study what you went there to study and then you yeah. get a master's degree. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. well, and, but in America they do have a point that you can, you know, sort of, you know, diversify and, and you might find mm-hmm. out what you really want to do. But if you've already got it in your head that that's what you want to do, then then it could be 
construed as a pretty much of a waste of time especially those first two years Mm -hmm. well jessica we have to go on a on a small break here just for a few minutes and we'll be back and uh we're going to be talking about your book so be ready (laughs) all right thank you How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The WooHoo Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. Devan will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent Live, every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm talking to Jessica Barker, a graduated unschooler, and um, we're going to be talking this this little segment about an ebook that she has written um, to help young teens, well, teens and young adults, um, really find out what it is that they are going to do in their life. And um, Jessica, you've taken a lot of time and thought on this piece of work I can tell and um, I just want to you know sort of go through this with you and of course because it was such a a soul-searching project I'm sure that it's helped you make some other decisions that you thought maybe you weren't going to be making so tell me um, first off 
How did you come up with some of the exercises in here? Because they're very thought-provoking. <laughs> um, well, they're basically just kind of things I do myself um, mm-hmm. to figure out either what I'm doing with my whole life or what my next step in my little journey is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an obsessor make, obsessive maker of lists, um, <laughs> so I kind of tend to think that it's the best way for me to think through things is to number them or bullet point them. And so I, I think that's basically where I got my ideas for the exercises because um, it's, I think it's helpful for a lot of people, and I don't know because I'm only me, um, to just write things out and see them in front of them and just sort of use them to intuit what they actually want and not what people are telling them that they want. Yeah, absolutely. And so you started early on, one of your first things you said, you know, imagine you're 10 years old again. You know, what did you want to do when you were 10 or 11 or a young child? And, you know, you were one of those people that had plenty of things that you wanted to do, like a lot of children Mm -hmm. are. And you go from there into um, what, what do you do? What kinds of things do you do that just, well, I interpreted it as time just flies you sit down and before you know it two or three hours have gone by you know for Mm -hmm. you what is what is that what 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 are you doing when that happens um it's hard to say (laughs) lots of things um yes lots of things um Mm -hmm. well you do you talk you you like animals so what kind of Mm -hmm. thing where, where did you where were you able to fulfill your desire to be around animals? Um, well, um, well, when I was six or seven, we got a dog. So that was kind of the first thing. Um, and I read a lot of books growing up on many animals, especially snakes. Um, so fast forward through basically my entire teenage development um, where I start, I I realize that I start getting angry when I go to like a zoo or something because it's like, why don't I get to hold the snake? Oh, it's a liability, whatever. Mm -hmm. I want to be the one that holds the snake and lets other people pet it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I kind of made that a little objective without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was 19, I finally found a little place called Piedmont Wildlife Center and um, started taking care of their, they had a few program animals, and then we would take them out to different events. And um, basically, I was the one that held the snake. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I would get down on the ground and just be holding the little snake and be like, hey, children, come up and see this awesome thing. And it it, it was even, like, more amazing than I thought it would be because, you know, mm-hmm. you see all these five-year-olds come up and they're just not afraid of the snake at all. Like, you know, mm-hmm. all the adults are like, oh, my God, get me away. Um, <laughs> and it was just, I don't know, it was just a beautiful thing. Um, so that was one of my um, many little things that, okay, it was a dream that I had and... Um, I finally got to see if it was something I actually wanted to do. And by doing it, I confirmed that, 
you know, that was something that, that you wanted I loved to do. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's and so that's, and, that's the science side of you. Then you have an artistic mm-hmm. side. You're writing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, writing, you know, is a little different because you can just kind of start doing it no matter what you're really doing. All you need to go do is go to the store and get pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I had been writing stuff ever since I could make words. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have a little story from when I was four or five, like, Mommy's in the garden, Daddy's in the office. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, so when I got older, I would just get all these books about writing as a practice and how to turn your journaling into stories and things like that. And I just read obsessively on how to write and then I wrote obsessively and now I just have like, I think last time I counted, I have 120 notebooks full of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you do um, it in longhand? You write longhand? Yes. Um, I also, I write on the computer some, but for the most part, I like writing in notebooks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. And I I really loved the question that you ask at the end of exercise two. You say, if you had nothing else to do except exactly what you wanted to do at no consequence, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's just that that's just a great, great question. And what would yours be? Only one thing, though. Because <laughs> you garden, you garden um, as well, oh, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um oh geez it, it, well it would be a toss-up between like being a full-time novelist or um like being a biological ethologist and like sitting in Africa and watching some lions and writing down what they do mm-hmm. um I suppose so, I could do both if I wrote a novel about watching lions um that's right, that's right. so have you have do. you have you done that because further on your your father um you say asked you okay so how much time would you invest in your dream and really i can't imagine somebody with your high energy being able to sit and take notes day after day after day just on behavior mm-hmm. watching i don't know you though so i mean you might mm-hmm. be able to but you your answer to that question was that you didn't think you could devote that amount of time now to mm-hmm. one thing because there are so many other things that you want to be able to do as well during that time so yeah um i i do kind of have a I wouldn't say I'm ADHD, but I have a tendency towards like, okay, I've done this thing for an hour, and now do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. And that question, whenever he asks me it, which is pretty frequently, um, always scares me, which is why I put it in the book, because I think mm-hmm. that questions that scare you should be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I haven't, that that's actually why I've come to the conclusion that I want to pursue um, a degree in biology because I think that I'm finally ready to put that amount of time and concentration into something, whereas up until probably the last six months, I haven't been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's something that's come with age or understanding or what. Yeah. Well, um, you say that living in the moment is really important, not losing and Mm -hmm. that you can 
you can spend a lot of time doing something or getting sidetracked and still keep your goal, you know, ahead of you. And it might Mm -hmm. take many, many, many years to achieve that goal. And along the way, you're living a very focused, very um, diverse life, doing things that in the end, you know, it's like a snowball, you know, in the end, Mm -hmm. you will get there with all of that experience behind you. And you'll go, that's why I had to do it like that. And I think, and and that, yeah. And you're so young to, to understand that already, you know, Mm -hmm. is it, do you, because your parents, I'm sure took time to sit and talk to you and listen to you and let you direct yourself, right? Yes. Yes. Um, it, 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 they have been in a, very important to me, I guess, realizing the process that it takes and how everything does build upon everything else. So where do you, where do you come up with this humans are meant to serve, to add value to other people's lives? You talk about if you're just so self selfish, you know, wrapped up in yourself, you're going to end up unhappy. You've got to get out mm-hmm. there and, and do something for the world. Where, where, did, you, where did you discover that? Um, well, it was partially, um, you know, another father adage. Um, and then partially just my own experience and observation of people and um, myself just realizing when I am doing something solely for myself, I'm even if it's something that I like, I'm not happy. Um, you know, it's just very, it's just self, it's just self-centered. Self-serving. I don't know how to yeah. describe. Yeah, yeah it, it's just kind, it's kind of pointless at the end of the day. I mean, you know, I, I'm a self-driven person, yes, but at in the at the end of the day, I I have this. I just want to make people happy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's actually why I like working customer service um, out of all the jobs that I've had. And, um, yeah, I've just, I've realized that, okay, if I, I'm trying to come up with an example, but there's, there's too many. Um, Well, well, I was reading something very, very trite today. This, this um, Mm -hmm. girl writes, Um, a journal at the top of each day she writes her weight and when she reaches Mm -hmm. her ideal weight there's no difference her her day's no different her life is no different I mean she's reached her goal but Mm -hmm. she doesn't feel any happier she doesn't feel any better you know and um, Mm -hmm. that's probably what's missing is that kind of outward expression of of herself on on her Mm -hmm. world rather than this inward you know sort of compulsion and we have to go on another really short break and we'll be back jessica for about another five minutes all right all right How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network as Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their stories of struggle, glory, tragedy, and triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day. With the Gold Medal Success Show, each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. It's time to devote time to yourself and strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for Bee Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week... Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be by Design, How I Be is Up to Me, hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Jessica, we talked a little bit about education, and I know that you mm-hmm. have have some a few words on what being educated or what education means to you. So can you share that with us? Um, <laughs> education, um, I think despite what a lot of people think about unschoolers, they're kind of like, oh, they don't do anything, they don't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think education is more vital and appreciated um, than a lot of people realize. Um mm-hmm. And, let's see, I was going somewhere with that. Um, I think in the past, even I haven't had a very good attitude towards learning, Mm -hmm. Um, and especially uh, harder things like uh, mathematics and some Mm -hmm. harder sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess my conclusion about that is just like I – that that's my latest journey has been realizing. Okay, you know what? I'm going to learn math. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's taken me, you know, uh, over a decade past from what I when I was supposed to be learning math. But now mm-hmm. I think because I want to learn it, it's coming really fast. Yeah. Well, the thing and, is with education is being able to turn what you are learning into something that you'll be able to use. And so even if you're not yeah. sitting there learning the math when you were 13, 14, and 15, you mm-hmm. now are realizing, well, I need that. And so I'm going to have to do it. And there's a way I can do it. Yeah. So, you know, you and, know and that I you can do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that I think that's something that a lot of um, unschooling parents are worried about, um, that their kids won't ever learn something that, you know, is might be important to them later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of another message I want to bring with College Rebellion for the parents, that they, you know, can trust their children to, you know, eventually learn something when they need to know it because, mm-hmm. you know, we have amazing brains yeah, <laughs> they can yeah. Learn and you know it, it makes the learning easier when you really want to do it when you don't feel as though you're having to do it because you must have college algebra for such and such you know just just for a, you know to get into college mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right, just, and, and through that I've actually found a lot of books that teach math in a more concrete way for somebody mm-hmm. like me that there's actually like books math for people who think like a biologist and not people that think like a mathematician and yeah it's it's been an interesting journey as far as math goes well yeah wow well jessica we've come to the end of our time and i've really enjoyed talking to you i've been talking to jessica barker a graduated unschooler with an innovative outlook on life and you need to pop over to her website which is college rebellion and um, it's actually www.collegerebellion.com and I've got a link for it on my radio page. Her ebook, which we were talking about, Dream Your Dream, How to Figure Out What You Want to Bring to the World, has thought-provoking exercises to take you through this process step by step. And you can find it on her College Rebellion site. And when she's not writing for College Rebellion, she spends her time tending to a grand array of flowers and vegetables. We didn't even go there. And she works as a chef at a local <laughs> restaurant in Burnsville, North Carolina. So you're going to have to come back. You're going to have to talk to us about something else. And I hope you've been inspired, all of my listeners out there, and de-stressed about how your homeschooler will fare when he or she leaves the safety of the basement. Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your life with us. And I'm sure you'll continue being the change you want to see. And you have a wonderful weekend. And um, I want to know. I want to, I want to hear about your, your college journey. So I'll be back <laughs> in touch, you. all right? Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, before I went on my first break and I had my guest on, I was talking about um, going back to my old neighborhood when I was young. And I said that I'd gone into the house next door where I grew up. And, you know, a lot of people are a little bit wary about doing that because they go, I want to remember it the way it was. Well, you know what? The house had changed so much that it really didn't ruin my childhood memories. It was nothing like where I grew up. The only thing that prickled some memories was the garden. The large horse chestnut tree still stood behind the wall at the far end and the convent playing fields are still back there and you can still hear the children playing in the playground. I love that sound. Um, I was so happy to have been able to go through it though. I'd always wanted my parents to knock down some walls as the owners were doing over on Margaret's future house next door but they thought that their house would sell better untouched. Not that my father didn't keep it immaculately decorated. He did. They just didn't want to do any major your renovations on the eve of their retirement and then move to the seaside. Let's leave it to the next owners, they said, which is what they did. And so going back to my old house was lovely, but all the walls were knocked down and there really wasn't much of the old house left that I could recognize. So that was fine. I've still got the old house in my head. 
Last week, I started to talk about reproducing a school atmosphere in our home. And primarily, I was considering the rules and schedules and the organized days, hours and minutes and how boarding school had cured me of all of this, at least in an excessive way where a child had no hope of being quiet by herself to think her way into growing up. And I happened upon a comment in a parenting magazine that triggered a question for me. Why and how do we homeschool? There are no cut and dried answers, as you'll have heard from listening to all of my guests. North Texas Teens for Parents states that according to the National Household Education Survey Program, I love all of these big titles, the most important reason for homeschooling today is concern over the environment in schools, specifically issues that threaten children such as safety drugs and negative peer pressure. Well, this may be what non-homeschoolers and detractors think are the most important reasons for homeschooling today, but I've found they're quite honestly not the only reasons parents homeschool. Some of the experts on my show remind me that we have parental rights to decide how we educate our children and parentalrights.org fights for that right every day and many parents take advantage of those rights and decide that they are going to direct their children's education their way. Um, Many parents may homeschool to pass on specific family values and beliefs that they believe their children won't get from either public or private school. Uh, For some officials and detractors, this is viewed as the creation of a parallel society and perceived as a threat to society. And I've talked about that a little bit. It appears that there are those who would like our schools and the children in them to fit a mold. The Common Core is all about that. And as homeschoolers, we've been in the trenches for a few years now. And we know it is next to impossible to teach our children all there is to know out there. How do we choose what to teach? As homeschoolers, we often look to our child's interests like Jessica's parents did. Do we choose what to teach or do we just let someone else do the choosing for us and send them off to school? Other reasons homeschoolers keep their children home is love, relationships, bonding, a desire to be responsible for everything passing through their child's minds. Some may say control, my priest did, Other counselling pastors do. But for a lot of the parents I've interviewed, I hear a different story. Yes, we can control their environment, but some homeschoolers want their children to drive their own educations, to learn what they're interested in, which in the long run holds the key to success. Some of these parents have consciously given up control in order to allow their children to mature in their passions. When you have a child bringing homework from school or preparing for tests, isn't there control on the part of the institution involved there? As I said to Jessica, there's control, you know, everywhere. And I think at home, we can let that control go a whole lot more easily. If the work isn't done at school, tests aren't passed. And I don't think homeschool exerts that kind of pressure on its children. Well, not my homeschool anyway. Parents are in it for love. Schools are in it for results. Other reasons for homeschooling center around health. Some children are better suited to staying at home and being taught in a loving, non-threatening environment. Some mothers whom I've interviewed find it easier to on themselves to homeschool because they don't have to worry about the logistics of getting their offspring to school on a particularly asthmatic morning. And I've interviewed some mums who actually homeschool they call it bed schooling because they are um, you know sort of confined to their beds for long periods of time geographic locations in parts of the world are other reasons for homeschooling 
wanting to travel the world with your children is another one. And I've interviewed a lot of people this summer who are out traveling around the world with their children, either on boats or on foot or, you know, RVs. Quite honestly, if you were a child right now, with all the wisdom of your adult age, so you're a child, but you've got all this wisdom, could you, with a clear conscience, inflict the classroom on yourself for the next 12 best years of your life? Think about it. Would you find a way to nurture your goals and your interests, your passions, in quite a different way to suit your style of learning? Why do we put our children in schools away from their families to sit with other children their age who are wiggly and want to do anything other than what they're doing. How much did you learn at your desk? How much more are you learning today outside your office environment with your children following their leads? There are many more important reasons for parents to homeschool. And I didn't even mention religion, which is a serious reason to consider, especially in the Bible Belt. Presenting our child with a Christian worldview in a secular society is one that ranks high among the reasons for homeschooling. And even when a lot of parents seem to have the financial odds against them, homeschooling, even with the loss of income number two, becomes a reality. It can be done, as myself and many other money-challenged parents have proven. And looking at all these reasons, I was surprised when I found my homeschool association apparently advocating activities best left to the public schools. But I'm running out of time and we're going to have to go there next week. So there you go. Cliffhanger for you. And um, that's it. It's time for me to leave and I have to get on with sorting and organizing in preparation for leaving. Happy birthday to my oldest son who celebrated turning a year older yesterday. We'll be home soon to take you to ponchos. Nothing planned for the weekend except mass at the cathedral for the last time in a while and harvesting gathering at our church. The freshly gathered flowers and fruits from our late summer gardens are used to great effect all around the sanctuary. So I'll be taking lots of photos. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first site are four children who are the result of that belief the hard-working staff at toginet radio my guest this week jessica barker and you my faithful listeners especially hannah joel rosemary kathleen esme millicent margaret jacob walter jane olivia tina and the list goes on stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through the day here on toginet take care and be safe may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you may the lord watch over you and give you peace Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McKee.